This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And that's a top tune. Welcome back to the program. Welcome to Hour 2. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll play a clip of the uh, interview Elliot and I did with Kelly McCrimmon, general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights. In the meantime, he's the one and only Greg Wyshynski from ESPN and The Drop. Time for some more MVSW. It is Wednesday after all, Greg Wyshynski. How are you? Hello, hello. I turned around and there you were, gone. Uh, glad to have the you op- aboard here. The Opal app uh, acting like a, a piece of charcoal mm. instead of the, the jewel that it should be today. Mm. Alas, alas. Well, we have you aboard here, and uh, our time is always limited. These, this isn't like the carefree halcyon days when you and I were doing podcasts every day, and sometimes they'd be 30 minutes, and sometimes they'd be three hours, just depending on how <laughs> bored we were and how much we, uh, we wanted to get off our chest. But uh, nonetheless, here we go. Um, uh, a, a lot to get to with you, and uh, I'll start with the New Jersey Devils because uh, I'm you know, sure this fills you with joy, as it should. Um you know, 10 games in a row. Like, there's only, I think it's like 60 teams that have ever done this in the history of the NHL. And of those 60, only two teams that had 10-game winning streaks didn't make the playoffs that season. Uh, so things are already looking good for the New Jersey Devils. What did you see last night and what have you seen from this edition of uh, of your favorite squad? Now, how many of those teams that uh, made the playoffs were uh, two major injuries away from the house of cards all falling down? <laughs> That's kind of like... <laughs> well, everybody's, my, my... A, everybody's a goalie injury from the house of cards running down, right? Like, well, yeah, I mean, the, the Devils especially because of just like <clears throat> they're not being a safety net there. But look, man, like we said at the beginning of the season, there were three things that had to go right for this team. Uh, one was they had to get a save. That was the primary one. And, and if you asked around the Devils before this season about uh, Lindy Ruff's chances for survival, they would all tell you the same thing, which is that, you know, talk to me, you know, if this team gets good goaltending uh, or or decent goaltending or or average goaltending, which they hadn't gotten yeah. in the last few seasons with Ruff there. And, you know, Vanacek's not been Vesna caliber, but he's gotten the saves. That they Hang need. on. He's and, been good. Hang on. He's been really good. Like when they've needed good. him, Vanacek's been good, man. No, but that's what I mean. He's he's been there. It's not like he's pitching shutouts, right? I mean, like he's he's not. Uh, uh, look, I'm I'm scrolling through the the goals saved above uh, replacement or saved above of respected on money puck, and you know our our hero is you know in the 30s. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you probably parsed it out but for here- games played, he'd, he'd be a little bit higher. But but my point is is that. He's not been a world beater, but he's been what they've needed, which is healthy and making the saves. Just get, well, what did we say about New Jersey all last year? Just give me a save. Right. Just give me and a save and let's see right. how good this team can be. Because no matter what they did last year, everything good that, you know, Heesher and Bratt and Hughes and like everybody did was all getting undone because they couldn't get a save. Like there are some right. teams, like not every team needs an elite level netminder to do something or to distinguish themselves. Heck, we saw Colorado win the Stanley Cup and not yes. have an elite level netminder. These things have happened before. We think of the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks, after all, and that you know team was considered one of the one of the best of this era. Um, but I looked at New Jersey the same way, and I just said like they are so good around the goaltender. I don't think they need an elite level goalie. Like they don't need Shosturkin, Sorokin, Vasilevsky. It's nice to have them. Certainly, but I don't think New Jersey's a team that needs it. I don't. Not necessarily. And, um, you know, again, like the, the bar was set at average 
I mean, my God, for God's sake, they had Andrew Hammond playing games last year. There were, there were, all, there were so many injured goalies. Some respect. And such dire straits. Have some respect to one of the great uh, characters. I'm not sure. I'm not, the great listen, they like, threw hamburgers at the man, Greg. This, is, this hits you where you, you know, live. You love this kind of stuff. Wish. You Maybe you know more than I. Does he still have the lifetime uh, Ottawa McDonald's hookup? I, Remember they gave that to him? Yeah, I've always wondered about that. What happened? Because we've seen this with athletes before, though, right? Like, oh, you know what? We're going to give you, you know, a life lifetime membership to something or a lifetime, you know, free free pizzas at whatever pizza place. <laughs> what happens when that player gets traded or signs somewhere else in free agency? Do all or the free, do, do all the freebies leave at that point? Like, if, Barry, like Barry Trotz. Like, Manitoba was hilarious this year when the Barry Trot sweepstakes were, were going on, like every single, like every single retailer, not just in Winnipeg, but in Manitoba was making yeah. sure that Barry Trotz would never have to, you know, stick his hands in his jeans ever. So long as he was <laughs> in Manitoba, like it was, and other and players have received, you know, deals like that before, but I, it's a really good question. I know someone that knows him. So I'm going to ask that question. I will, re- now I'm getting homework from you. So I'm going to yes, ask the, uh, back. the, uh, the McDonald's question. About, if I were uh, Andrew Hammond. Hammond and I still had that hookup and I retired, you know where I'd move right next to that McDonald's. That's exactly where I'd move. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm building a house next to it or buying the land next to it. I don't know, but I'm right. I'm right within walking distance, spitting distance <sighs> at McDonald's. By the way, based on that, uh, proxy, um, and that theory, does that mean John Tavares can no longer buy bagels at market price on Long Island? Like now he's got to pay double because he. Left. I would imagine double, yeah. The way that he, the way that he <laughs> left, and the the level of frustration that they have uh, about him. What do you make of the Islanders, by the way? Let's let's dovetail there. Well, uh, hold on, hold on. Let's you go want more let's on go Devils. To, okay. Uh, the, the other two things about the Devils. All right. Well, the other thing I told you was that they had to have a power play that was worth a damn, and it's not quite there yet. Like they're middle of the pack, they're like seventeenth, I think, in effectiveness. But their yeah. special teams have been okay. They've been better than last year, and, and obviously a credit to bringing on Andrew Brunette, uh, the most overqualified assistant coach in the league uh, at this point, having been a Jack Adams finalist last season, uh, to come in and try to fix the power play. The third thing is that the Triple H baby, the Holy Trinity mm. of Hughes, Heischer, and Hamilton have all been healthy. Maybe for the first time since Dougie was signed, they've all been healthy for mm-hmm. a stretch. And lo and behold, look what happens. Uh, you know, they're all difference, difference makers in their own ways. Jack Hughes, by the way, last night, you're watching that game against Montreal. How much are you thinking about that Jack Hughes quote from earlier in the day? Oh, about the, the nine-game heater. <laughs> yeah, the nine-game heater. They're criticizing the Devils player, like trying to find holes in, in, in the game. And Hughes is like, I don't know. I mean, we're on a nine-game heater. I don't know what and, more you can uh, ask. And then lo, lo and behold, he, he tears it up last night. I love him. Love the kid. One uh, um, one th- one thing from last night I did want to ask you, and it softens the blow. Like I, it, it softens the blow for people that didn't like what Montreal was wearing last night. It was a tribute to the Montreal Expos, and that team is near and dear to a lot of Canadians' hearts. Yeah. I under- I understand the idea of oh, the uniform is sacred, and and don't don't ever change it. I remember the. Uh, Oh, the Robert Lang era. They had those uh, those barber pole jerseys that they wore. That I think it was on a Super Bowl Sunday too. They always do that Sunday afternoon game, and oh, it was it was tough to watch. Even though that was um, one of the traditional throwbacks, I didn't mind it as an Expos tribute at all. As a matter of fact, I love that shade of blue. Panthers always do well with that shade of blue. Uh, what did you make of it on Montreal? 
Well, it made a bit of a seven. If there was any, I, listen, I, I wasn't following any backlash last night. I have to be honest with you. I just assumed what, that when you wear a jersey that's evocative of Tim Raines, that's evocative of Andres Galarraga, that's evocative of Delino DeShields and Marquise Grissom and Gary Carter, that you're going to get. Hang on, get to, keep going. Get get to the hawk here. Let's go, Andre Dawson. Let's go. Come on, keep going. And Andre Dawson, and for a brief time, you know, Randy Johns. Listen. I figured that everybody would be cool with it. I didn't realize there was a backlash. But, but like, you know, again, like, everybody looked at those dumb barber pole jerseys from, like, a decade ago that they wore, and they are like, oh, look at that. They're respecting the legacy of some guy named Newsy, probably. And Newsy and now they wear the jerseys lawn. that are evocative of, a, of of one of the greatest teams ever assembled, the 1994 uh, <laughs> uh, 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 World Series champions in waiting Montreal Expos. Oh, they were, and, too. And they get criticized for it. This reinforced forces what I've always said about the Montreal Canadiens, Merrick, which is that, that you'll never find in, in the history of professional sports a franchise that uh, admires its own keister more than the Montreal Canadiens do. Trotting out everybody during every game for rounds of applause, trying to pretend that they're above the fray when it comes to marking their product and, and changing their jersey for, your, for a few games because they have such a you know sacrosanct logo and sweater. Give me a break. Those things were gorgeous last night. They, they made like the top five in our reverse retro jersey rankings too. What did you have number one? Oh, Florida. Those things are beautiful. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and and nice. not only that, and and no, again, no offense to the legacy of the Florida Panther. I don't, I don't res- disrespect any uh, of God's creatures in the great state of Florida. Let me, re- re- let me subtract great in the state of Florida, uh, whether it's crocodiles or alligators or, or yeah. swamp creatures or Panthers, but it's the first time that that franchise has ever been reminiscent of the fact that they are within driving distance of South Beach. They got a palm tree on the jersey. They got mm-hmm. a hockey stick on the jersey. The thing feels very much like the kind of pastel, beautiful downtown Miami hotel you might walk past as you're on the beach walk. And it's about time. They've never been evocative of the beach until now. And that's mm. why those jerseys are incredible. You know, going to be interesting to see what they do with the All-Star game as well. You know, Steve um, uh, Steve Mayer, uh, who handles a lot of the creativity around the, uh, around the All-Star game, uh, told us what they want to do, and some will call them their proper name, burgers, although Steve wants to call them meat bucks. They want to do a thing with, with frozen, uh, frozen meat patties, shooting them at alligators. Mm. Well, I could see how that might work, uh, <laughs> and I could see how that might... <laughs> be a disaster when you bring in a wild animal and, and give it the scent of blood. Uh, <laughs> it may want more. Uh, one of the things I heard was, and I don't know if he told you this, was that they were talking about in the early planning stages, the idea of trying to stage something skills competition wise mm. on a boat in the ocean. How about that? I know they've talked about things. Actually, I think there's been some discussion of actually having a game on a ship before i know they've yeah, like they, an aircraft I, carrier right? yeah yeah i know that the I, I know that there have been at least conversations around it i don't know at what level or how serious they ever had if they've, they've, they've ever had these conversations but it's it has been discussed absolutely so that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all i think that like well, honestly well, Merrick, i, I think Merrick, they're, I, I think they're just trying to find creative ways to stick hockey in and i think yeah, it's sure. great and, i honestly yeah, like the idea of the- Follow the Vegas path. Stick the hockey Vegas everywhere. The Vegas path is the right way to go. Yes, yeah, I mean, like, bring it outside. Yep. I was joking with Roman Yossi when I when I saw him uh, the other day uh, that, like, the last time I think I chatted with him uh, was when he was 
freezing to death on the fountains of the Bellagio at night because none of those guys realized how cold it was going to be when they were shooting the pucks on the Bellagio fountains. But yeah, follow your muse. That's why Steve Mayer is the best is because all, every time they go someplace, they're going to try to, you know, bring the action to the people and also bring in the characteristics and the iconography of the places that they are. But Merrick, yeah. my question is, if they we ever do get to the point of seeing a National Hockey League game on the deck of an aircraft carrier, will it eclipse the current leader for greatest sports moment on an aircraft carrier, which was Lex Luger body slamming Yoko <laughs> on the deck of the uh, Intrepid. Yes, when they tried to turn him uh, into the... His, uh, his Lex Express tour. When they tried to turn him into the next Hulk Hogan. Yeah, absolutely. One thing, by the way, and I always go out of my way, I think I, I don't know if you and I... I don't know if I mentioned this to you. At that, uh, at that Bellagio uh, All-Star Skills, uh, Jocelyn Lamoureux, uh, who finished in third in that, by mm. the way, she was two months pregnant at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? Underreported story was two months. But I mean, yep. listen, like, do the math. Like, she just had a kid in August. Do the math. And uh, if I'm being bold, and I haven't checked yes. NHL.com recently, but probably a record. <laughs> <laughs> probably. probably. Probably a record. <laughs> <laughs> you, want, you wanted to talk about the Islanders. What, 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 did, what did you want to No, know I wanted to giggle for an hour, actually. You know, I needed, it's midway through the week, and I need a good laugh. Probably, <laughs> probably a record to stop me on my tracks. Uh, I always go through the season and, and wonder to myself, and I was just asking, you know, Jonathan Davis um, uh, of NHL Network Radio this a couple of seconds ago about Seattle. Um, are the Islanders actually good? Mm. Let's begin the conversation there because... The Islanders started off the season actually looking bad, but now do we say they are actually good Islanders as we transition from the Devils? First of all, uh, the Kraken are kind of the Devils West, right? Like, if you talk to them, they're like, things are going pretty good for us last season, but then, you know, Grubauer would give up a goal like 90 seconds after we scored one. So they're getting saves yeah. and, and they're getting success. Uh, the Islanders are a bit of a conundrum. Uh, their offense is maybe a little bit better than I expected, even though they're only like 12th in goals per game. Uh, Sroken has been Sroken. Analytically, they're a little bit underwater when it comes to expected goals at five on five. Uh, but they're winning. And so I was, uh, here's the thing about the Islanders. Uh, famously mm-hmm. or infamously, I picked them to win the Stanley Cup last season. And I was wrong. Uh, it turns out to have done that. And I said to myself, well, what happened here was that I judged their two pandemic impacted seasons as being more indicative of their, of their quality than mm-hmm. they should be. Those were maybe anomalous. And then Lula Amarillo went into the last off season and he made a different wager. He said, okay. I think that last season when Wyshynski picked them to win the Stanley Cup, I assume he referenced me in his thought process. Clearly. uh, Was the anomaly because of the long road trip with the arena being built because of the COVID stuff, because Mm -hmm. of all of these things. uh, I think that's the anomaly. I'm not going to touch this team outside of adding Romanoff. And I believe they're going to be okay. New coach, new coach, Lane Lambert. New coach coach. too, yeah. But, 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 you know, and and again, like not a total continuation of the Barry Trotz system, but a Barry Trotz accolade. Sure. So – that's the wager. Am I right about the Islanders being more like they are last season? Or is Lou right about 
no, 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 no. Last season was the anomaly. And I have to admit, so far, I think Lou's winning the bet. See, the thing is about about what I look at the Islanders is, you know, this was not unlike what, you know, Jim Nill had always felt about the Dallas Stars, which is, you know, if you're going to do anything in the playoffs, like there are some teams that are built to win in the regular season and you want to pile up the points, et cetera. And then those teams sometimes ended up getting, you know, dusted uh, sometimes in the first round. Um, and they don't have any longevity in the playoffs. I look at the Islanders and I say, this is Lou Lamorello saying, I just need a team that's good enough to get in, and then I have enough veteran players, and that's what you win with in the playoffs. That's what I look at, Lou, the, how, how Lou has built this yeah. thing. So the proxy for that is the 95 Devils, and, and not necessarily stylistically, because obviously this team doesn't Much play different. the trap. They just rely on a great goalie. But if you remember that team... It, it it wasn't like they had, you know, Scott Gomez or McGilney or, or Patrick Eliash on that roster. It was mm-hmm. the veteran guys of your Claude Lemieux and your Stefan Riches and your Neil Brottons and such looking to them to score the big goals on a team that was not necessarily as, as talent-laden as some of their rivals were, in particular the Detroit Red Wings. So it kind of feels 95 Devilsly, Devilsy to me in the sense of you're right. Like, let's get in the playoffs and, hey, when we need a goal, maybe Pajot gives it to us. Maybe Palmieri gives it to us. Maybe Barzell assists on it because he can't score goals anymore. I want to get there. Hold on. Hold on. I want to get there. We'll get the Barzell. Don't worry. Trust me. I'm parking some time so for you're him. Right. I think I think this is very much a team that that lacks that true northern star type talent, unless you, you consider it Sorokin. Um, and Sor- and Sorokin's do it a by star. committee. Sorokin's a star. Yeah. And He's a star. You're going to do it by committee and you're going to, and, and you're, and you know, they yeah. were close to having that, that formula work for two consecutive seasons, uh, pandemic impacted as they were. Matthew Barzell has as many goals as Ross Johnson. And I don't want that to change. <laughs> and here's why I want to see it. I want to see a player lead his team in points and not score a goal. I want this to be like, I want a Matthew Barzell to go like, Owen 90 or Owen 85 or Owen 82, whatever it's going to end up being lead the Islanders in points and not score a single goal. See, this reminds me of when I played um, the EA sports NHL games on the super Nintendo. Cause you do a thing <laughs> where you build a team and then you can set it to play until a certain date in the season. If you don't want to play the full regular season, you just want yeah. to take your team into the playoffs. You can set it to play a certain number, you know, to a certain date in the regular season. And what would happen, Merrick, yeah. was that there'd be glitches in the game where all of a sudden someone like, oh, I don't know, like Mike Sillinger will have scored 82 goals mm-hmm. with no assists. <laughs> like <laughs> you go check the stats and it's like, oh, who's winning the Hart Trophy race? It's Mike Sillinger, Mike Sillinger. with 82 goals and no assists. So Matthew Barzell is having what we could call a glitch year so far. You yeah. know, a, a very successful point production year so I love far. It. But one I love it. sans goals. I love it. I love it. I love it. I I, I want to see him, you know, at the end of the season, uh, you know, empty netter. Uh, he's on a breakaway and look for the pass or just dump it in the corner. <laughs> that would that would but make no, that would so- that would like just tickle me to no end. So let's let's put Matty Barzell on trial right now. By the way, okay. I love the kid. Yeah. The kid. Um, you know, they should do, they should do hang on. It, it, the number one player that the NHL and again, we know it's the Islanders and it's logo and it's not, you know, name bar and like the whole deal I get it. Um, but do you not look at Matt Barzell and say and again, it's the Islanders. Man, the NHL is missing on this one. 
He's got one of the best personalities in the game. Dynamic guy, really entertaining guy. Like everything about him screams star. And he's a first line player. And he's with the Islanders who will not put that guy out as a front facing member of a team. Right. But again, like we just talked about why. I mean, I sp- I've been a devil sent all my life. Do you ever think Zach Parise went to the opening of a car dealership in Parsippany? <laughs> no, he never did. He wasn't allowed to. None of these guys are. <laughs> oh, but you're just missing out so big. He's such a great. Anyway, okay, go on. Make, make your point, on. About, Bar- listen, make your point about Barzal. He's yeah, fantastic. My point it, is this. Like, honestly, is, he, 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 he wish he should be like such a star. Okay. But is he a franchise guy or is he a complimentary guy? Who, Matthew Barzell? I think I think he's a franchise guy. I really do. I don't think he's a complimentary guy. I think if you polled all the Islanders fans at this point in his path as an NHL star, I think they would say that he would be the perfect complement to a Bedard-level talent rather than being that talent himself. Well, that's a unique situation. That's like saying, well, what if you put him on Edmonton? Well, of course. Or what if you put him on Toronto? Well, of course. But as far as, far as being... Well, no, no, no. Because here's the thing, Merrick. You have to remember. So part of this mm-hmm. is how he was born into this league and this franchise, which was as, the, for lack of a better comparison, the Pippin to Tavares' Jordan. Mm-hmm. And so the team was set up to have JT be the sun in the middle of that solar system and then have Barzell anchor another scoring line. And then Tavares pieced out because of the bed sheets. And then Barzell's <laughs> still there. The and so I don't, I've always been curious about whether it was the perception of a player when he came into this league that he was the complement to a established star that was already there. Or if that was actually where he is as a player. Yeah, but look you know at what I mean. Like, look, it's hard, I, hard to I, shake I, labels. I get it. I understand that label, and, and certainly that's true. But don't you think he's grown into a first-line player? Oh, no. I think he's a first-line player. But but when you think about when you think about Tavares and the, and the things that he did for that franchise when he was there, being a Hart Trophy-level player, like, we've not seen that from Barzell yet. And maybe it's because he doesn't have his, you know, in his prime Ocposo and Matt Molson's, you know, scoring, you know, 30 goals yeah. in, in, in a freakish way. Like, like he doesn't have all that stuff going for him like Tavares did, but he hasn't also had I was gonna say seasons that JT's had. Kind of playing with like Parisian Wallstrom here with all the, with right. all, with all the respect. Right. Like, you know, I mean, I, I look at him this way. He is, <clears throat> he is the closest thing to Denny Savard, as I've seen in the NHL since Denny Savard. Okay. Okay. He is that, he is, he's slippery. He, he moves like few others in the NHL. He's able to find passing lanes and seems like he is like when he, I mean, Savard was one of those guys. And we always think of that penalty kill against the Oilers where, you know, go down, deke everybody out, circle back and do it all over again. Um, I look at Matthew Barzell and I say, when I start seeing him, and so many other players do it now, Kaprizov may be the best, but um, when I see him circling around the offensive zone, just scanning and looking for lanes, do you not think mm-hmm. Denny Savard? And yeah. the only thing is, no. he doesn't have an Al Secord or a Steve Larmer riding shotgun no. with him, to your point. But he, to me, man, I see like he's the mod, he's the new age, he's the new age Denny Savard. That's what I see in, in Matthew Barzell. 
You see, that's why for all the talk about how Patrick Kane is going to fit snugly on the other side of Artemi Panarin on the Rangers at some point this season, I I, I think it'd be more exciting if he was an Islander, don't you? Oh, and play with hundred percent. Although I think we all want to see the Panarin Kane magic one more time, but I would love well, to, sure. I would love to see Patrick Kane play with Matthew Barzell. I think we all would. That's maybe juicy. maybe That's rental juicy. rental Rangers Rangers rental Islanders long term. Yeah, because I don't think Pat Kane's winding down anytime soon. Not right. a chance. And I think the Islanders have a little bit of cap flexibility after this season, too, if memory serves. Might be making that up. I'm going to check cap friendly real quick. Mm, you got a lot of players on long-term deals that uh, are all in that, you know, between five to seven and a half million dollar range. I don't know. What do they have for next year? I should have I should have searched for by name. Yeah, it's. I'm sorry. It's it's 25 when they have a little bit of flexibility. That's when Bailey comes off and B- Bolivier comes off, and you know they have a little bit. But you're right. Next season still cap hell. Okay, so uh, screw that. That's uh, that's prison. Well, okay. Okay. Now hold on. Now hold on. I say yeah. cap hell. It all depends on how much how much he wants. Because you know you do you you are getting five million dollars of Semyon Varlamov coming off the cap next season, and they're going to replace that on the cheap. They can, uh, yeah, they can absolutely. It. It they might were. take a trade, but they could swing it. Problem is the year after that, like you got to look at long term. The year after that, Ilya Sorokin is not going to come back for four million dollars. Oh, when he goes UFA after that, Oof. and that's that's not not this year, but next year. Yeah, goalies are going to get paid. You think? <laughs> Especially Sorokin. Okay, so a couple more things. So we're um, I know we're sort of you know we've cascaded out from uh, from the Hall of Fame, but I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it. Uh, spoke to Bernice Carnegie on the program yesterday. She brought the house oh, down. I mean, she was just spectacular. Awesome. Um, yeah. That was the, the the whole speech was like inspirational and heartbreaking, and all the uh, all the emotions in between. Um, but I mean, we saw the Sedins, um, Alfred. Like, what did you take away from all of it? I mean, Hall of Fame is always we, we used to do these big, huge Hall of Fame podcasts, you and me. But what did you take away from Monday? First of all, shout out to Bryant McBride. Uh, who might not be a name that a lot of people know, but uh, has been a real big force behind the scenes in the recognition of Willie O'Ree's place in NHL history and yep. the recognition of Herb Carnegie's uh, place in uh, hockey history. So yep. shout out to him. I know that was a real big, big moment for both him and Bernice uh, this week. Um, I found it interesting that it was a class of players that never won the cup, yep. which is kind of unique. Um but all one but internationally. The thing, the thing is, though, it's harder than ever. Like, there's 32 teams. Yes. Like, I think we need to yes. drop that as well. He never won the Stanley Cup. Who cares? Like, once upon a time, it was like, oh, yeah, Gilbert Perot was great, but never won the Cup. And Marcel Dion was great, but never won the Cup. Like, I think we need to drop now, listen, that. Listen, because I like you, I, I have a column coming out tomorrow on current okay. NHL players in the Hall of Fame. Current? And current? Yes, current. Yeah, like like projecting projecting ones that could be close, that might be in, what have you. We've talked about this on the old MVSW. How my approach to the Hall of Fame is one of very uh, strict exclusivity. Mm-hmm. Um, I am someone who would not open the velvet rope, but for maybe the top five players of an era, were at my Hall of Fame. I don't need, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, Alfredson in my Hall of Fame. I might put the Sedins in just because they were such a unique act, but I don't need Alfredson in my Hall of Fame. So I will give you this. I will give you of the current active NHL players. Okay. Here are the five that would make Greg Wyshynski's Hockey Hall. Hang on. Can I guess? Please. 
Okay, Crosby and Ovechkin. Those are the easy. Gee, wow. Those are the you easy. You are incredible two. at this. Whew, wow. Man. I'm really <laughs> smart, your... Greg. Told Can I have it. tonight's lotto numbers? I'm really, really <laughs> smart. Okay. After okay. that, uh, Patrice Bergeron. Correct. Shea you, Weber. Looking now. Shea Weber. No. Okay. Well, I, I don't. I don't consider him active. Okay. Uh, Malkin. No. What? I know. I, I, lo- I listen. I love. I love Gino, but he, he's not. He's not in my home. Oof. You tough act. Okay. Um, Brad Marchand. No. What? Tell you? Wait, on, you're not putting Brad. Mar- what? No, no, not my Hall of Fame. But I told you, very strict Hall of Fame. I'll tell you the other two. Ready? Okay, yeah, shoot. Carey Price, Victor Hedman, Victor Hedman. Oh, Hedman, yeah, yeah. I mean, Hedman, Hedman. So there was a point in which Eric Carlson and Victor Hedman both had their hands on the belt. They were they climbed the ladder and both had their hands on the belt. The Nick Lidstrom, best in the NHL defenseman belt, and then like Hedman kicked Carlson off the ladder and he fell to the canvas. And had been pulled the belt down, and Carlson could still have a rematch. <laughs> you know, he's the way he's playing. There could be a rematch. Yeah, but Hedman's the guy. So he, and I, the yeah, other yeah, one, you have Hedman, but no Carlson. Correct. Okay. Oof. Here's oh, here's oh, the spicy oh, one. Jeez. Okay. Is this, gonna, be is, it, is this going to be Carey Price? No. Oh come on. I'm an American. Why am I putting Carey Price in the Hall of Fame? Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Put Carey, the, the class. The, the class of the Hall of Fame where Carey Price and Paul Henderson get it in the same class is the, is the year that I just like <laughs> stopped going to the Hall of Fame. Even and Paul Henderson is going to happen at some point in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Uh, so who's your fifth? Connor McDavid. He's done enough already. If Connor McDavid was Thanos snapped out of existence <laughs> tomorrow, has there been a better? 504 game career than McDavid since I don't know Mario and Gretzky. No. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, and and I'm a big believer in like the subset of a career. Like Lindros did not get in for his years of of toiling with the Leafs and the Stars and everything. He yeah. got in because of his years with the Flyers. Burray got in because of that stretch being Burray. Like I'm fine with this sort of peak of your powers argument for Hall of Fame players. Yep. And the bottom line is that I don't need Connor McDavid to hit 700 games. I need that from other guys like McKinnon or, or Matthews or, or, or others, along with some maybe other intangibles. But I don't need that from Connor. This is the best stretch for a National Hockey League forward that mm-hmm. we've seen since Gretzky and Mario. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's otherworldly. And I think that makes him a Hall of Famer right now. Right now, I think you're right. He's in that, he's in there because of peak performance. I think that there's like the same way that um, that Pavel Bure opened up the door for Eric. I remember we had this this conversation when Pavel Bure went in. It's like, okay, so if this guy goes in, who does he open the door for? And right away, you think Eric Lindros, and it's true. And I think Lindros right. should have been in before. But the logic was as a peak performer, and I'm with you. Like if you are the best in the world for you now a couple of a couple, you go that much. You go that much, eh? See, I, I yeah. do like well, I do like two to three years. If you are the best in the world, that gets you in the Hall of Fame. One, well, eh, but two to three years you Connor's, get in. And Connor's, by that definition, Connor is in. Yeah, Connor's been the best in the world for, if you're being conservative, six years. Like, if you're being conservative six years, mm-hmm. he's been the best in the world. Um, so that, that, that's, that, those would be my guys. Hang and, on and a I, second. Yeah, Hang on Connor, a second here. You're not putting Patrick yeah. Kane in the Hall of Fame? Great. He's not my. I'm. I am picking the guys who are the most dominant 
not only NHL dominant, but like hockey redefining players. Like Crosby is a redefining player. Mm -hmm. Ovechkin is the best goal scorer in hockey history. Patrice Bergeron, it could be argued, is the best defensive center we've ever seen. Hedman maybe falls a little bit short of that, but but I think that, again, if you pick up the mantle from Lidstrom and own a decade, which I think he did, all due respect to Eric Carlson and, and Duncan Keith, mm-hmm. like I think I think that belongs there. And again, McDavid, McDavid's going to influence the next three generations of players with the way he plays. No Brad See, Martin. Again, that's, no, I'm, hang I'm on, looking, hang I'm, on. I'm, I'm, I think I'm, Patrick Kane's been great. And, and again, Kane has that too. I'll, I'll completely agree with what you're going to say. Here's the thing he's, about Kane. He's a borderline guy for me, but he has here, that too. Here, here's the thing about Kane. Again, we'll go back to the playmaking winger. When you talk about, you know, redefining a position or, you know, re- redefining a role, not that he was the first to ever do it, but now everybody has wingers that, you know, the uh, the, the pucks carried over the blue line on, on the wing. Like the playmaking winger. Yes. Like was there, think, yeah. was there more of a player in this last generation that put a stamp on that role more than Pat Kane? Uh, no, and, and you're right. And, and the other thing, too, is that, like, I remember doing my story on Sid uh, last year uh, and talking about, like, Generation Crosby and the players that he's influenced. And there's a number of the, – there was three guys' names that always came up, and it was Crosby's, Bergeron's, and Patrick Kane's. So by my criteria, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess Kane pro- would probably be in that class, too. You're, you're, you're making a good case for him to be in my exclusive Velvet Rope Hall of Fame. Okay, what about Brad Marchand? Can he get through the, the can he get a pass through the Velvet Greg Greg Wyshynski Velvet Rope here? Like the the This guy has been so good for so long, has been on Hart Trophy ballots, um has been albeit down the ladder a little bit more on Selkie Trophy ballots, is one of the most consistently elite players in the NHL. No love for Brad Marchand. To me, Brad Marchand is a Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame again. There's you have to separate my psychotic approach to this thing and the actual Hall of Fame. The actual Hall of Fame will welcome Brad Marchand. The actual Hall of Fame will welcome Patrick Kane. The actual Hall of Fame will welcome Steven Stamkos. It'll probably, it'll definitely welcome Malkin. It'll probably welcome Taves yeah. and uh, okay, and Kopitar. One, one one thing that I wanted to ask you about here, I think I think maybe you and I have talked about this. Maybe we did on the old on the old podcast. But I, chance I know um, th- th- this is a, this is an older one. But now that Herb Carnegie is in the uh, in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and you know that is a a a, a cementing of the reputation and a recognition uh, of all the contributions that he has made. Considering it was Con Smythe. You know, Red Story talks about this, and it's in, in Carnegie's book. And, you know, the, yep. the story has long been told about I'll pay any man, you know, $10,000 to turn him white. Yeah. Do we have the conversation of renaming the playoff MVP trophy? Can we have both? We Herb Carnegie and Conn Smythe. Conversation. Conn yeah, Smythe. we should absolutely have that conversation. We, we, we started to have the conversation, I think, during, maybe during the bubble, I want to say, when a lot of this stuff was top of mind. Mm-hmm. Um. But for sure, it's a conversation to be had. How do you feel about it? Who would you name it after instead? I don't know, Gretzky. but name, I don't name it. Well, I mean, Gretzky's an obvious one. Uh, Gretzky, I mean, I, 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 I always get, I don't know. I, I don't know about naming it after people, to be honest with you. 
You're right, Merrick. I, th- I think the direction you're going is the correct one, and we should definitely call it the Bridgestone Tire <laughs> NHL. <laughs> no, 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 no. Playoff no. MVP. Not, award. not, not necessarily what I'm saying. I, I don't know. I oh, don't okay. know. I, I don't know what, what the. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> really, like I, I, I don't. All I know is that you know human beings are fallible, and naming yes. something as significant as a trophy after someone. I don't know. I my, my my initial thought is I need to think about I need to think about what you would rename well, it more. I I think the the big thing is like the difference being is that the, the the renaming of the trophy after a person would probably be a person that won the trophy a lot or that is worthy of the trophy rather than being an honorarium to you know a commissioner or an owner or or things of that nature like some of the other awards are. Yeah. Uh, let's park more time on this on a subsequent edition because we are against the clock. Um, always good stuff. Um, Thank you. You're harsh on the Hall of Fame, man. Man, your Hall of Fame is too tight. Dude, too we tight. call it immortality. Why are we letting mortals in? <laughs> uh, if they had a, a, a wing of the Hall of Fame for hockey Twitter, who would, be <laughs> your, who would go on your first ballot? And is it the guy that went in on Monday? <laughs> he's definitely established his candidacy. Yes. I don't need a, I don't need a wing for hockey Twitter. I told you, and I've said this to everybody. I'm going to be in the hall of fame one day. The PHWA is going to put me in the hall of fame. First blogger to ever make the hockey news, hundred most influential people, mm-hmm. an impeccable resume. Mm-hmm. They, all, they would all love my speech. I just, you know what I need, Merrick? I need certain individuals to maybe age out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and then have my yeah. my generation age in, right? And uh, and then I will be I will be in Hall of Fame Hall of Fame induction weekend. I will I will buy everyone a beer at, at say what down the street. In Toronto, <laughs> That's always uh, been your go to in Toronto too. That's so funny. I love that place. Uh, we got to hustle. Uh, all right, Greg. We'll talk in seven days. Continued success. Uh, and as always, say hello to Arda for me. Thanks, everybody. We'll do. Be good. Uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, MVSW, Wednesdays here on the program.